So Money Episode 675, Primaj Bajic, Business Coach. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. From earning just $7 an hour in his country, Slovenia, to running a six-figure online business, our guest today is pretty money, pretty so money. His name is Primaj Bozic, and I met him at a networking event and just thought he was fabulous and he had to come on the show because he has a lot to teach us. He works with world-class experts and entrepreneurs, people like makeup artists, songwriters, high-performance coaches, and helps them turn their expertise into an online business. As he puts it, he helps these people put the best, absolute best content on the internet. And he describes in the interview, what that entails. His story is just incredible. Primoz started as a programmer in Slovenia, earning minimum wage, eventually went on to become a student of Ramit Sethi, who's been on this show. He's the author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich. We dive into his business as well as his personal journey and the interesting differences, cultural differences in Slovenia versus say the United States how money is really taboo there. It's pretty taboo here, but it's extremely off topic in Slovenia. He isn't someone who feels he can talk about his wealth or his business to his family, to his friends. So we had a very interesting talk about that. Here we go. Here's Primoz Božić. Primoz Božić, welcome to So Money. It's nice to reconnect. Met you at an event a couple of weeks ago. Thought you had a great personal story, a story of personal development and success. And I love to share it with the audience. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited to do this. And tell us where you're, uh, where you are right now. I think this is also very cool. Yeah, so I'm in Slovenia right now, and and I wanted to say I, I see this beautiful view of Ljubljana from my apartment, but actually it's really dark because it's like 6 p.m. So I'm just sitting here in front of my computer in Slovenia. It's 6 p.m., so it's noon here. I'm, I'm recording at noon, so we're six, you're six hours ahead. What is the future like? <laughs> well, the future is bright for sure. Just, just not today, you know. Just hang in there. Okay. You're telling me I should hang in there. Okay. Well, Primaj, tell us a little about what you do now. Uh, I think this is also really fascinating. You run an online marketing business, uh, but the way that you got here was via taking a course from one of our former guests, Ramit Sethi. Tell us kind of where you are now and how you more or less got here. So yeah, um, I worked with Ramit Sethi for a while and developed some of his programs for him. And we can talk about more, more about that in the future. But just this year, I've moved back to running my own business full time. What I do in my business is I work with top experts, people like celebrity makeup artists, um, children's book authors, songwriters, like everybody who really wants to be the best in the world at what they do. And they want to build an online business. I can help them do that. So the way that I help them do that is I help them create incredible online courses that are actually experiences for students and live a lasting legacy. And I also help them create really good content like Ultimate Guides. And the whole point of that is to create the best content on the internet that really deeply covers your expertise and impacts millions of people. 
And what do you mean by best content? Yeah, by best, I mean most comprehensive, most detailed content out there. Because the thing that I'm really good at is taking a certain topic, like attending conferences, and really writing the best piece of content that's the most detailed piece of content that covers every single step of it. Like preparing for a conference in advance, how do you research the speakers, how do you prepare the questions, how do you make great questions, how do you reach out to speakers in advance, what do you do at the conference, from like, you know, when should you connect with speakers? How do you connect with other attendees? Can you organize certain events outside of the conference to bring people together? And also, what do you do after the conference, right? Like, what do you do on the flight back home? How do you actually follow up with people in an authentic way without bugging them or without this taking like 10 hours of your time? So I actually wrote an ultimate guide to attending conferences that covers all of this information in like 27,000 words, which is unlike anything else that I've seen online. And that's basically the thing that I'm excited about the most. It's like, we have a lot of content nowadays because a lot of people write their blogs and things like that. But what I notice is that very few people create this really comprehensive content that really covers every single thing from beginning to end with specific examples, stories, case studies, that really genuinely helps people rather than just gives us some information that they never act on. That's brilliant. And I know, Primaj, you not only talk the talk, but you walk the walk. We met at a, at a conference. Your follow-up was very smart. And here we are on the podcast <laughs> together. So this is a testament to your own expertise. You mentioned that you work with people like makeup artists. Uh, I find the online marketing world so not in my DNA. Like To be able to master that is just not what I was put on the planet to do. But do you feel that everyone should experiment with this? If some, if you are an expert, if you have something that is in demand, and let's say it's in demand in the real world, is it worth transitioning somewhat to the virtual world? But what if you just don't like doing it? Just hire you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th that's one option, right? Um, I think people who I work with usually already know that they want to build an online business. And the reason why they want to do it is because usually they spend a lot of time building up their expertise for years and years and years. Like, you know, the celebrity makeup artist example, like the person that I'm working with is probably like one of the top 10 um, makeup artists in the United States, works with, you know, top celebrities and everything. But only very few people know how good she actually is. Like, I mean, like the people who work with her know that. Just Beyonce and like other celebrities. <laughs> yeah, like the celebrities get the benefit from that. But like she's created so much knowledge over time, both about makeup as well as like how to make money as a makeup artist. And she wants to share that knowledge with so many more people than just the 10 people that know her in the industry, right? Or 100 people. So she she knows that using the internet is a great outlet for her to share that knowledge. But then, yeah, when experts get into the online marketing world, they maybe don't even want to learn all, all the stuff or maybe they do want to learn it, but it's really hard to find people who would work with them closely to help them actually do it and who's going to help them create this really impactful business in an authentic way because there's a lot of internet marketers and they teach a lot of scammy stuff and that's not what these experts want they want someone who's going to create help them create something of quality and not just something to make a quick buck before we get to your very early days of making seven dollars an hour which i think is such a fascinating story to begin there and to now have what you've built is incredible. But along the way, you became a student, right, to learn all of this. And you became a student uh, taking Ramit Sethi's Zero to Launch, 
which then ended up being a place where you ended up working. Like he hired you. So that's also a great story, right? Going from student to teacher. Tell us about that and, and how you got basically his attention, what it was like working with him. I think that's really exemplary. So what I've done is I joined a few online courses from Remit. The first one was just about a freelancing and I took his course, I implemented it. I got some results with it. I didn't really have a relationship with Remit at that point. And then, you know, as I learned how to freelance, he had this in-person event called the 100K Summit. So we're at conferences again. And um, this was a small event for like maybe 20, 25 people. It was like $5,000. And the whole promise was to get go from being a five-figure freelancer to becoming a six-figure consultant. So I went in there, flew to New York, stayed on a couch in Chinatown because I couldn't really afford, you know, anything else at that moment, but I made it there and just tried to soak in everything, you know, from Remit at the conference over the three days. Now, as I came to that conference, I had a lot of questions prepared. Like I spent weeks preparing for this one event. I knew exactly what I wanted to get answers on. And I just asked a lot of questions during every Q&A session. I'd be the first person who raises their hand. And, you know, during breaks, I would go up to Remit and ask him more questions. Like I even had these questions written down on these small note cards that I had prepared to make sure I would remember them. And then I would write the answers on the back of those note cards. So as I did that- What was your goal though? What was like, okay, take me back a step or two because (laughs) we kind of rushed over like, well, I figured out what I wanted to accomplish. How did you figure that out? What, What was, give me some examples of the exercises you did before the conference. Yeah, so before the conference, I went through this course on creative life from Remit, which I think was like, what, eight hours or 10 hours or maybe even more. It was this really long and detailed course. And I knew I had a freelance business. I knew I wanted to grow it, but I didn't want to come to the conference prepared with not very good questions. So what I did is I already looked at his course on freelancing because a mentor of mine told me I should look over that. I went for the course and I just like wrote down the questions that I had based on the content he was already talking about. So if he mentioned the concept about like, oh, this is how you raise your rates and there were parts that were not clear to me, I would just make notes and be like, okay, this is something that I'm not familiar with. So I'd go through that whole course. I would end up with a notebook, probably with like 30, 40 pages of notes. And then I went through each of those questions separately and I tried to just answer them myself. I tried to Google them. I tried to visualize what Ramit would say, how he would answer those questions. And some of them, I even just answered myself by doing that. But some of them I really couldn't answer. Like, for example, if I'm a freelancer and I want to raise my rates with existing clients, when is a really good time for me to bring up the conversation and what exactly should I say during that conversation? Things like that you can only get to if you go for a certain amount of material and really kind of like polish your questions over time. So that's what I was doing pretty much for the first few weeks before the conference. And what my goal was, well, I was spending like $5,000 on the conference, $1,000 to get there. I really want to make sure, you know, that my investment was worth it. Like I wanted to make Mm. sure I would work my ass off to actually benefit from this because it was a major investment for me. And I really wanted to take as much as possible away from it. And that's why I spent all that time preparing for it. I love students like you because, uh, you know, ultimately as a teacher, you want your students to succeed. And yes, you're going to deliver some great value at the conference, but it's really up to people, you, the attendee, to take it to the next level. And you certainly did. And I know Ramit well, and he doesn't like questions that you can just Google. Yes. Like (laughs) ask him a question that shows that you have done a lot of homework and now you've arrived at a sort of question mark that is, is valid, you know, that you, you have done a lot of the research, you have dug enough 
evidence, but, and so now you have an informed question. And I think that uh, all teachers really appreciate that. So then he ultimately hired you because who wouldn't at that point? Yeah. I mean, it didn't happen so quickly. We do have to connect the dots just a little bit. So, you know, I was at an event. I took all the advice from the event using the advice from that event. I actually was able to, I think, double my revenue, monthly revenue from freelancing in a month and triple it over two months. Because I just took the advice and ran with it, and wow. you know I was serious about it. What was the biggest? What was the biggest game changer? Like, what can you yeah. take us inside that conference? What was the thing that you did that helped you three x your income? Um, stop charging hourly rates. Start offering retainers and packages instead. And because I was just selling like five hour packages before, and I would just get stuck on that. So I started charging retainers, um, monthly rates. I also started doing group programs with people rather than just one-on-one work. And I also hired an assistant, which freed up a lot of my time. It's very simple stuff, but it like escalated really quickly because I did those things. And it sounds like you just needed permission to do that because it's not like rocket science, <laughs> uh, but you know, but it's just like, oh, I can do this. Yes, you can. And you did. Well, it. yeah. I mean, at that time, that was like, I think in 2013 and at that time, I really had no idea that I could do retainers. So it was new information for me at that time, even though right now, maybe for us, it's common knowledge. I had like no idea about that stuff. So it was kind of both. It was like learning it and then, you know, having accountability and the permission to do it. So take us back to when you were a youngin uh, in Slovenia, making $7 an hour. What was the turning point for you where you thought, you know what, I need to make a change. There's more out there for me and I'm going to go get it. Yeah. So I was working as a programmer in Slovenia in a cubicle. I was also studying computer science. I was probably like, what, 20 years old, something like that. So I was actually making decent money for Slovenia because like $7 per hour, most people who were students would make like five, $4 per hour. And I know to the US people, this sounds crazy, but for Slovenia, like that. What does that afford you? I mean, like a lot of people still have that kind of salaries. Like you just get to live in a small apartment, right? Like you can can find apartments that are like what three four hundred dollars per month and in slovenia you do have like the healthcare taken care of for you so you don't have to pay for that so that's a big difference right so i mean you can live in a small apartment and you know if two people that make that money that's great and then you can buy some food but you can't really splurge on many things now i am saying this for a student so most students live with their parents even until they're like 20 25 30 so in slovenia that's pretty normal um, you're not going to live a luxury lifestyle. If you make like $15 per hour, you're living really, really good in Slovenia. But not enough to take a Ramit Sethi course. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's maybe what some people would think, right? So I was working as a programmer, right? Um, making $7 per hour. I was making pretty good money because I was still living with my parents. So $1,000 of spending money was great. But I wanted to figure out, you know, where I could put that money to spend it more wisely. So I found Ramit's book, I Will Teach You to Bridge. I read that book. I thought this is awesome. And I also had this idea of like, oh, you know, maybe I could make some more money by, you know, learning how to freelance. And that idea kind of like marinated in my mind until um, I had a conversation with a coworker. So coworker was this really smart, really brilliant guy. He was, I think, about 40, 45 years old. And when he came to the same company I was working in, it was a small company. It was growing. He was working on the best projects. I think he made one of the first video games in Slovenia. So he was doing great. He was paid well and, you know, just working on exciting things. But here we were 20 years later, sitting at the same company. He was not working on fun projects. He was working on the same project as I was. And it was obviously pretty boring for him. And the punchline is he was actually making less money than I was on a monthly basis. 
which was crazy to me. It's like, I'm here, I'm a student, I'm working here for a month or two, right. and I'm making more money than this guy. And I saw that he had potential and I told him like, hey, why don't you just work on your own? And he's like, well, I have bills to pay. You know, I have a family to raise. I can't just quit my job and start a business, you know, for myself. And in that moment, I was like, I never want to end up like that. And I want to start my own business. So I took Remit's Earn 1K course and spent actually seven, seven months finding a good profitable idea. But then the things kind of took off from there when I did finally find my idea. Oh, and we probably also want to cover this thing. So I was making, sure. I was making a thousand dollars per month, right? And his course, Remit's course was a thousand dollars. So for me, you know, I could decide whether I want to spend that money on clothes or getting a car or fancy dinners or whatever. But I was like, no, I really want to make this business thing work. So for me, spending $1,000, my whole salary on the freelance course was actually a no-brainer, even though most people in Slovenia would never do it, you know, even no matter how much they need it. For me, it's like, yeah, it's an investment in myself. Remit sales copy is pretty convincing. So I want to do this. Now, the problem there was is... That in Slovenia, as a 20-year-old kid, you don't really have a credit card. At least like you know, five mm. years ago, you wouldn't have these debit cards. You couldn't get a credit card like if you were a student. Like it's not happening. So in order for me to even make the payment for that course, I had to go and have this weird conversation with my mom, which was like, hey, I want to buy this online program from this Indian guy about making more money. Can I use your credit card? And at that point in Slovenia, like credit cards were like the scammiest thing where people would like steal your credit card numbers and then, you know, steal your money. That's what everybody thought. So I had to have this long conversation with my mom and, you know, let her know that like, hey, I'm going to send you the money and then you can make the payment for me. Is that okay? And then somehow I managed to convince her and actually was able to make those payments for the course. But yeah, it was quite a process, you know, trying to give someone money for his course. Did she have any pushback? Did she resist? Well, yeah, she thought they're going to steal her credit card number. So she needed a little bit of convincing and me showing her on, her on the website. And I was like, oh, this guy wrote the book. And that didn't really help because the book was like yellow and fluorescent and he didn't have socks there. So <laughs> you know, it was a really hard like, sell. Like, yeah, he seems like a real guru to me. Yeah, it was a really hard sell. But I did at least have like the paperback copy of the book. Like, he's company. big in America, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was like, but yeah, somehow, you know, she was like, okay, but only this once. So so she did. Oh. So, and what does she think of your success now? Um, I think she's really happy and proud of me. I mean, yeah, we, we've come a long way, but now like she's, she's really happy for me. So take us back to even earlier, a little uh, Primoj. What was your childhood like? And let's talk a little bit about money. You know, what was your introduction to money? Do you have a, a big memory from childhood where you learned something about money that has stayed with you all these years? Yeah, I mean, um, I know I always wanted to be rich um, when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, I always wanted to be rich. And the reason why is because I had some friends whose families were pretty rich and they would have all of these vacations to amazing places like New Zealand and Australia every summer. And then there I was and we went to Croatia to the exact same spot, like a camping place for like 10 years in a row. And I always had this idea of like, I wish I could just explore the world and go wherever I want and not be limited. Like even when I was like a young kid, I was constantly thinking about it and like dreaming about it. Now, the problem was that, you know, at that time, my parents thought that making a lot more money was a really bad thing because the only people supposedly that make a lot of money in Slovenia are either selling drugs or they're tycoons. 
that's pretty much like the mentality here in Slovenia. So they were like, no, no, don't worry about the money. Don't try to earn more money. You know, just be grateful for what you have and so on and so on, which is fine. And I understand that. But that was kind of like a thing that stayed with me for a long time. Because like, even though I understood that what they really were saying to me is like, we don't want you to become a bad person who sells drugs or does money laundry. It was kind of like that belief, that mentality, like that making a lot of money makes you a bad person. That actually really slowed me down with running my own online business for years and years and years until I actually realized that that's something that I had subconsciously in my mind. Now, later on, I was able to kind of figure out like, okay, um, that that's just a story that my parents tell themselves because they don't know any rich people who are also really nice, kind and caring people who give a lot of money back. Because they just were surrounded by people like them who made the same amount of money as them. And that's the story that they told themselves. And then the other stuff they learned from the media. So they felt like, okay, this was a really bad thing. So then I understood, you know, later on as I learned my business that even though my parents might think that, you know, making a lot of money is bad, I don't have to actually talk to them about how much money I make or stuff like that. I can make as much money as I want to because I know this is really important for me to make a bigger impact on the world. And I can just talk to them about things that are important to them, like my relationship with my sister and how I'm helping my students and, you know, just helping a lot of people. And like, yeah, that was like a lesson from from the childhood that kind of like stuck with me. It's like money is bad. And now I realize actually it's not. So it's just interesting to see, you know, how, how that manifested over time. Is that still the mentality? That was many years ago when you were a kid. But do you think that that people's mindsets have evolved around, you know, who rich people are and that you don't have to be necessarily greedy in order to be rich? Um, I want to say like, or yeah, I mean, in Slovenia, in terms of like the general population, they still think that rich people are bad. Like when you talk to the people who are entrepreneurs and successful business owners, obviously they have a very different mentality around money. But let's say you talk to my relatives, they probably would still feel the same way. And it's just because like the media brings people up all the time, you know, that have this money laundry or whatever. And there's these scandals all the time. And when people watch a lot of media, that's the mentality that they have, unfortunately. So how has that impacted your your presence in Slovenia, I mean, do you feel like you have to hide your success or that you have to be careful about how you present yourself? I know I met you. You're a sharp looking guy. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you're rich, but perhaps uh, in your small town, that may be something that I mean, in New York, everyone dresses nice, yeah. right? <laughs> Especially at a networking mm-hmm. event. So it wasn't like you stood out. But do you feel like you stand out in a, in a, way, in a way that makes you uncomfortable in your home? Yeah, I mean, like our, our city, I am in the capital. So it's like 200,000 people. So it's not, you know, a village or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird for me to just walk around in a blazer or something like that with a pocket square. Like I don't ever do that. Cause if I did that, people would think it's kind of weird. Um, and I also like in my day to day interactions, I don't really talk about a lot about money with my friends and people around me. And I don't even try to bring it up that much because like the reality is my friends make a lot less money than I do. Right. So If I talk to them about money, it's kind of weird for them. Like I can't talk to them about getting this first thousand dollar per hour client. Like that's their whole monthly salary. And it's, it just leads to really weird conversations. And it's also weird because like when I go to New York, we can go out with friends and we can have drinks and we can spend 
50, 100, 200 bucks on a dinner. And that's normal. And that's cool. Here, I can't really do that with other friends because they can't really afford going to a nice restaurant. Or if I take them, then if I take them too many times, it also feels kind of weird. So I try to just save it for special occasions. So yeah, definitely like, you know, just hanging out with, let's say, regular people that are not in the online business world that make a lot less. It is maybe a bit weird and uncomfortable. And also like when talking with my parents or relatives, I try to not bring money up because it never leads to anything good because it just, you know, leads to these conversations about like, oh, I hope you're not doing this just for the money and, you know, so on and so on and so on. But Primaj, what an opportunity for you to really be a, a model and an example for everybody in your community, in your, at least within your friends and family network. I mean, what you're doing is really commendable. You picked yourself up by the bootstraps. You built this business on your own, mainly because you believed in yourself. And I'm sure that, you know, you're, you can teach things about how to manage your money in a way that services yourself and others. So it shows that you're not just like going on fancy trips all the time, but that you're actually using this money maybe to, you know, uh, create a legacy. And I think that, Hopefully you'll get to a place where you see yourself as really someone who can who can inspire change and and hopefully others will see that too. I just I just think that that's a missed opportunity that you are living proof of how you can really be self-made and I would love for that message to be a global message and I would it's a shame that if you know people are only looking at the negative um that maybe you can be someone to open their minds and so however if you feel comfortable doing that, I just really think that there's an opportunity here that you can, you can help people. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I agree um, with you. And that's, that's my big mission, you know, for the, for the next few years, for sure. It's just like to show people that money is not necessarily bad and also that they can, they can also build businesses like this and impact a lot of people and, you know, really change the world, even if you're coming out of Slovenia. So that's definitely something that I want to, you know, spread the message around. And even like when somebody sees this podcast, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's from Slovenia. I'm from Slovenia. Then maybe their mentality would change, which is pretty awesome. Well, hopefully they'll listen to this episode, this podcast. You should share it. <laughs> uh, so tell us about your so money moment, Primoj. I mean, you uh, probably have a continuum of so many moments, but what was like the first time in your career, in your profession that you really felt, or even just in your life that you felt like a lot of the hard work had paid off. And that, as I say, the financial stars aligned. Yeah. I mean, I think that was kind of like after I, I went on that conference from Ritzady in New York, I felt like in that moment, you know, when I started to actually double triple my revenue, that meant I was no longer making like $2,000 a month, but I was making, let's say, $6,000 a month. I think the one thing that I really remember at that point is I was flying to another event. Um, I think it was in New York. And I was flying through Brussels, I think, on Delta. And I just had this weird idea that I wanted to upgrade myself to business class. So I went up to the counter on the gate and they told me what the price was. I was like, oh, that's actually not so bad. So I upgraded myself to business class and I had like the most amazing flight to the United States, which was so different than all the economy flights beforehand. All the wine you want, warm Yeah, they, they gave me wine. They even gave me like a bottle of port wine to go because I was so nice. So that was like, holy shit. Like wow. that, that was like a really fun, Plus, fun flight. Yeah. It's expensive to fly business in first class, but if you can get some sort of like discounted rate or hey, if you want to go for the splurge, think about not just the price, but think about the value. You know, you're getting to 
sit with people who are, I know so many stories, people are like, I sat next to so-and-so on my first class flight and now we're connected and ambitious people, right? People who obviously uh, have deep pockets and maybe there's a way to synergize and, or at least have really good conversations and be inspired during your six hour, eight hour flight. And of course you coming overseas from overseas, it's, it's probably nice to go uh, with some comfort. I think that was definitely an experience. And then like, what I like to do over and over again is like, I like to, whenever I do something, I do really well. Like, for example, I had my lifting competition recently and um, I became like a national powerlifting champion because that's like just a random thing I do on the side. Wait, 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 wait. You are a magician and a powerlifting champion? No, wait, what did I, you say? I became the national powerlifting champion on the side. I thought for a second, I thought no, you no. said magician. And then I was like, no, that's not what he said. Uh, that would be pretty cool too. So what is powerlifting? Um, that just means going to the gym and trying to be as strong as possible. Like, you know, do bench press and like deadlifts and squats, like just try to do the maximum amount of weight. So that's just a weird thing I do on the side. And yeah, I just won two gold medals at my first competition, like a month ago. Renaissance <laughs> man. So yeah. Much. Oh. What's well, next? next is qualifying for European championships and then eventually becoming like a European champion and a world champion. So that's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is, 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 this, is this a category in the Olympics? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. It's not the Olympic lifting, but um, it's similar. All so right. anyhow, like we had this competition and it was so awesome to be just able to take like three trainers because I have three different trainers for lifting to just take them all together to like a nice restaurant and go celebrate together like and not worry about the bill or whatever and just have a really fun time like that was a really fun experience for me you know just take people who have supported me and helped me over time you know we worked on this goal together for more than a year to take them out for a nice dinner to get them to like talk to each other get to know each other like that was like something that i love like having this kind of moments and not have to worry about money isn't that the (laughs) truth That's actually one of my, that is my goal. When I first walked into my financial advisor's office, she said, what is your goal, Farnoosh, with your finances? And I said, I want to not have to worry about them. I want to have to not really think about it in a way that makes me nervous or concerned or anxious. I mean, I like obviously talking and thinking about money in in positive ways, but I don't want to ever feel like, oh gosh, how am I going to pay for this? Or will I have enough money? I want to feel like everything is serving, that my money is serving many purposes and that those purposes are being fulfilled. All right. Failure. Primoj, what's something that you did that was not so good with your yeah, money? Yeah. Um, I think like, especially in the earlier times of my business, um, I like to spend a lot of money, not necessarily on the bad things, but on the right things, even things like online courses, because, you know, I thought that they were really good investments. And then, of course, sometimes I would, you know, fly business class or treat myself to a nicer hotel or something like that. So my mistake was that I like to spend all of my money and not save much of it, which in retrospect, it was really, really stupid. But that kind of like led to situations of like feast and famine when like I would be making a lot of money and I would be living this rich life and then I would live on frozen pizzas for a few weeks. So that wasn't very good. Like that was definitely a thing I had to learn to not do. The ebbs and flows. So what do you do now? How, what, what has been the solution? I save money first and then do the rest. Yeah. And how much do you save? Uh, just 10% of anything that comes in. 10%. I would say do 20 do 20 or 25. Absolutely. Just try it. 
Because look, I mean, is that is this ten percent just for an emergency? Are you saving for also the future? What? How is this savings being utilized? Um, that's just for like the emergencies in the future. Like, I do like to you know also put money on the side for investments, but I do have to have this like tendency of like investing in myself aggressively. So in Slovenia, I can't really invest in stocks and funds like index funds, like things like that. That kind of investing doesn't really work in Slovenia. I could potentially do it overseas, but it's like really, really tricky. So instead instead of doing that, I kind of like have a separate thing where I then just invest in like online programs and things like that. So now what is retirement typically like in your country? What do people do? How do they prepare for it? Do people retire? Yeah, I mean, for most people who have jobs, they just pay a percentage of their salary. You you don't have a 401k or a Roth IRA. Like you don't have any of those things, which is kind of crazy. But like people work their jobs and then, you know, when they retire, they get between like I think $500, $700 per month back from um, back from the country. That's pretty much it. Well, you're never retiring, it sounds like, anyway. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So that's your plan. Just don't retire. <laughs> pretty much. Um, all right, Primoz, let's do some so money fill in the blanks. Just like everybody else on this show, no one is immune to this. Uh, whether you're Tony Robbins or an early retiree, uh, you're going to get to finish these sentences for us, okay? All right, so if I won the lottery, do, does, do you have the lottery in Slovenia? Yes, we do. It's probably not a hundred million. It's maybe like ten million at most. All right. So if you won the lottery, the first thing I would do is I would first take my family on a vacation to Bora Bora because I know they really want to go there. I know it's also really expensive. That's the first thing I would do. Second thing, I would move to New York, um, which is also always I want to do. And the thing that's holding me back is just like it's pretty expensive. And then the third thing is to build an incredible team that will really help me spread my ideas into the world faster, like copywriters, things like that. Um, I think I would just hire a team faster than it's going to take me right now. Right. You're not alone right now in running this business. No, right now I have a VA. That's, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. The one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is? Incredible coaches. Uh, what, who, what kind of coaches? Like career coaches? Um, yeah, so I have a high performance coach who works with like who worked with some of the best tennis players in the world who's like you know helping me kick ass. And then I also invest like in high end business mastermind. Like I just joined this twenty five thousand dollar business mastermind so I can improve my business. Like that's that's the one thing I love spending money on. It's just improving myself, investing in myself. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is. That money isn't really bad for you. Yeah, right? So what if when people win the lottery in Slovenia, like, do they become outcasts? Like people are like, oh, that person has money. I don't know. I've never met anyone or heard. Like, I don't know anyone that won a lottery. So honestly, I, I don't really know. I don't think I even know anyone that plays the lottery. So I really have no idea. I think they probably just disappear or buy nice houses. They move to New York. Yeah. <laughs> they buy real estate in New York that they don't actually live in. That's pretty much a lot of the real estate here that gets purchased. These empty, vacant uh, penthouses. A lot of people from overseas putting their money into them. But anyway, when I donate, I assume you are got a little bit of philanthropy in you. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... I like to give to people who suffer from natural disasters like floods because I think like when you lose your house or something like that, you really need that money most. 
Yeah, in an emergency. And last but not least, I'm Primoz Bojic, and I'm so money because... Because I learned how to stop being an idiot with money and now still lavishly spending on the things that matter most to me, just not every single day and in a much more smart way. Yes, you've become very discriminating about the, the, <laughs> the lavish things you want to spend on. Yes. But you're also growing yes. your business, which is, a, you know, you're in this growth phase right now, which is a really fun place to be in. And it's great to watch and learn as you're doing it. Thank you for sharing your story with us and being an inspiration. And I hope that, you know, eventually the people around you will will grow to better appreciate you for your hard work and your efforts and and the inevitable wealth that follows. That's just a measure of your ability to hang in there, to succeed, to reinvest in yourself. It's all good. Everyone <laughs> listening in Slovenia, Primoz is so money, okay? And if you have any issues with that, just you know, take it up with me, but don't take it up with him. Good luck to you and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks so much to Primoz for stopping by. His website is Primoz Bajic. And I do think I should spell that. It's P-R-I-M-O-Z-B-O-Z-I-C.com. Don't worry. All of this is over at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And there you can also learn how to score a copy of his free ebook, The Ultimate Guide Checklist. If you missed the interview or you want to check out the transcript, hop over to SoMoneyPodcast.com. And there you can also click on Ask Farnoosh to send me your biggest money question. It's the new year. I'm sure you've got a few. And you can also let me know there if you'd like to co-host the Friday episode with me and help me answer some of our listeners' questions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.